Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. Our desire uh, is for your family to be strengthened by being established in faith. And so since last week, we began this new collection of teaching that we've titled, entitled Family Matters. Last week, we talked about that you matter to your heavenly father. This week, um, I'm going to share a message about how your family matters. I want you to turn in your Bible this morning to the book of Joshua, chapter 24. We're going to begin reading in verse 11, I want to share with you from the scriptures why your family matters today. Are we there? Say amen. amen. If we're not, just wait a minute. I'm going to begin reading at verse 11. This is Joshua's last address to the people of God that he is led, he has served, he has encouraged, he's challenged, he's loved. He's 110 years old at this point. He's giving his farewell address and he's challenging God's people to continue on and be faithful to the Lord. We're going to pick up the text in verse 11. Then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you, also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But I delivered them into your hands. Verse 12, I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you, also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or with your bow. I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build. And you dwell in them and you eat of the vineyards and the olive groves which you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites which are in the land that you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to share with you a message this morning that I've entitled, My Family Matters. Look at the person next to you and say, My Family Matters. And look at them back and say, Your Family Matters. Your Family Matters. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have to gather together and to hear from your, your word, to hear what you would have to say. Father, we come into this moment with a great awareness, Lord, that you alone have the words of life. 
you lead and guide us in the way that we should go. And you do that by revealing to us through your word where you would have us to go. Father, help our hearts to be receptive. Help us to believe that our best days are ahead of us as we follow you. And help us, Lord, today, Lord, not to just be hearers of your word, but to be doers of your word as we step out and we serve you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. We thank you for what you're going to do in advance this morning. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I read this story recently, thank you, Lane, about this new young bank president who was getting ready to go into that position, and he met with his predecessor before he took this position in order uh, to find out what he would need to know, what his responsibilities are. And as he went into that meeting, um, he had one question that he wanted answered above all others. How is it that over all these years that you have been so successful in what you're doing? So he asked his older predecessor, uh, how have you been so successful? And the man said to him, two simple words, good decisions. In order to follow up on that answer and to get more information from him, he asked another question, well, how do I make good decisions? The man looked at him and gave him a one-word answer, experience. Following that line of question through again, he says, well, I want to make good decisions and I can only have them through experience, so how do I get better experience. He looked back at him and responded with two words, bad decisions. <laughs> Isn't that true? Experience teaches us a lot. It's a great teacher. But I believe that though that experience is a great teacher, and that's a great truth in order for us to make good decisions, in order for us to be successful, we have to have experience and we have to end up making some bad decisions throughout the process and learn uh, what we should do. I believe that that truth is, is incomplete. I believe it's true, but I believe it's incomplete because I believe that there's also a way in which we can make good decisions and that is through good information. How many of you have ever recognized or realized before that oftentimes when we make bad decisions, it's a result of incomplete information? So the reality is that you and I, if we want to make a good decision and be successful, we have to gather all the information. Because if we can gather all the information, we can make an informed decision which will lead us to success. Today in the Word of God, Joshua is calling for the families of Israel to make a decision to serve the Lord. And the good news is that you and I today are the beneficiaries of this good information that we have that he shared with us in order to make a good decision so that we can lead our families in serving the Lord. So today, I want you to consider this principle, this truth from our text today, and it's this, because my family matters, 
it matters that my family serves the Lord. How many of you know that you can gain the whole world, you can accumulate, you can uh, be successful in the eyes of people, Come on, you can seemingly have all that you need in life. You might not have any needs or any wants. But if you get to the end of your life and you don't know that your family will join you in heaven one day, then you have lived an incomplete life. Because my family matters, it matters to me that my family serves the Lord. I have a question for you today. What decisions are you making today to ensure your family is serving the Lord? At the end of the book of Joshua, where we come to today in our text in Joshua chapter 24, the final chapter, Joshua is 110 years old. He's lived a long life. This week, Pastor Hartley Wigfield turned 96 He's got some years to catch up. He's got another 14 to catch up to Joshua here. And he's an old man, and he begins um, this uh, chapter and this last words that he's going to give. He's on the brink of eternity, and he's got some important instructions that he wants to leave with God's people and with his family. And so he begins to recount the history, and remember the history of God's people. He shares with them the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God, and we find uh, that in verse 1 all the way to where we began reading in verse 11, he recounts the history of Israel. You see, Joshua uh, was not there when God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. Abraham was the father of our faith. He was uh, the father of the, the people of Israel. And God called him out of a land of idolatry and out of a land of sin. And he called him by his grace. He intentionally chose him, not by, on the basis of his goodness, but on the basis of God's grace. He, he called him out of darkness into a glorious light. He called him out of uh, purposelessness and into a place of significance and purpose. He chose him in order to do a great thing in his life and in his family. Called him out of darkness. And he recounts the story of Abraham, how he brought him out. And then he begins to tell the story of the people of Israel and how after a while the people of Israel were in Egypt and they were in bondage. And the Lord brought them out by a mighty hand through the leadership of Moses. God demonstrated his faithfulness and his ability to deliver them out of a place of slavery and parted the Red Sea. They walked through the, through the Red Sea into dry ground through an incredible miracle. He had an, an experienced incredible miracles of God and now brought them into the wilderness. Joshua was there, walked through the wilderness for 40 years. At that point, when they came to the end of their wilderness journey, um, Joshua was 80 years old. And then they cross over the Jordan through dry ground, just as God had parted the Red Sea through a miraculous uh, uh, parting of that river. 
They get on the other side into the promised land that God had given his people. And then God says, we pick up the text here, and he says, I defeated all of your enemies. Remember, he came to Jericho, and then he came, they came to Ai, and he defeated all their enemies. They came to Gibeon and defeated all their enemies and the kings of the north and the kings of the south. And now they are settled in the promised land. But now Joshua turns his attention from the goodness of God that brought them to this day where they have found themselves uh, beneficiaries of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. God called them to this place today and he's reminding them, today is the day that you need to make a choice for the future and the rest of your life Choose this day. These are my last words for you. Choose this day in whom you're going to serve. It matters what you choose today. Your future is determined by what you choose today. So he gathers the people of the Lord together at a place called Shechem. Shechem was a place of promise. It was a place of the fulfillment of the promise of God to his people. You see, Shechem was where Abram uh, first received the word of God that you will possess this land that you're in. And so as they came to Shechem, it would be a place that was very well known to the people of God. It was the perfect place for Joshua to address these people because he was reminding them the same God who gave the promise and that you are living in today that kept the promise is the same God that if you'll continue to walk with him, the same God that if you'll continue to believe in him, the same God who kept the promise in the past is the same God who will keep his promise in the future. He's a promise-keeping God. He charges them to be faithful and obey the Lord and to follow his will. This is direct... Uh, Fulfillment of the promise of God in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10. You can go and look at that later. And so now Joshua is presenting them with a choice, pleading with them to make a decision once and for all. He says in verse 15, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which are on the other side of the river, talking about the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites, the gods of the culture in which you dwell. Today, I want to share with you five decisions that we must make if we want our families to serve the Lord. I got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Come on, somebody. So I want you to listen real fast, and maybe I can speed up my cadence this morning. The first decision that we must make if we want our family to serve the Lord is this. I want you to make a decision to build a grace-based family. Verse 11, then you went, but I delivered them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you and drove them out before you and the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or with your bow. Hear this? I have given you a land which you did not labor, cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them and you eat of the vineyards and the olive groves of which you did not plant. Joshua wants the people to never forget that they owed everything to God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. God is the source and the sustainer of every good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father above. Never forget that. Everything that you have is a gift of God. 
I want you to build a grace-based family is what Joshua is saying. I'm going to remind you of how you got to the place in which you are today. It wasn't because you were good. It wasn't because you were smart. It wasn't because you were powerful. It wasn't because you had the right connections or it wasn't because of your degree or your education. It wasn't just because of your family, but it was by my grace that you got to the place where you are today. Recognize that you are not here by your own ability, that you are here by God's ability to bring you to where you are today. That's what grace is. Grace as defined in the scripture is when God gives. Somebody say gives. When God gives you something that you did not earn, that you do not deserve. The first decision that you need to make in order to your, for your family to serve the Lord is that you need to build a grace-based family. When we take credit for our victories, we will forget that the Lord is the source of our victories, and we will walk away from him altogether. So how do you build a grace-based family? I've got two things for you this morning. I want you to give God the praise he deserves. Give God the praise that he deserves. Recognize with your family and your friends and your associates and everyone that you know that God is the one who has blessed me. God is the source and sustainer of my life. I would not be where I am today had it not been for the Lord who is on my side. I've got to take a moment and give God the praise for bringing me to the place that I am today. I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. I've come a mighty long way. And some of you in this place today, God has brought you a mighty long way. You ought to give him the praise for how far that he's brought you. He deserves it in this place today. Give him praise. Give God the praise he deserves. There's an old song that says, count your blessings. Come on. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you all that the Lord has done. Come on, has he been good to anybody? And this is what you need to do. You need to remember the goodness and the grace of God. You need to write down the goodness and the grace of God. And you need to share it with your family, your friends, everyone you know, the goodness of God that is upon your life because you did not get to where you are in your own and on your own strength and in your own effort. We need to review the past blessings. We need to make a written record of God. God's faithfulness today. We need to say to our children, remember that time you were sick and we prayed and you got better? Remember that time that we prayed for that loved one to come to know Jesus and they came to know Jesus? Remember that time where your mom and your dad had lost their job and we prayed for God to make a way? And did not God make a way? Did he not provide? Did he not set you up? Did he not bring you out and bring you forward? Come on, God has been faithful. We need to give God the praise that he deserves. The second thing that we can do to build a grace-based family is to not only just give to God the praise he deserves, but give to others. Listen to this. Give to others from what God has given us. I love what Jesus said. Freely you have received. What? Freely give. Jesus says in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34, he's 
spending his last moments with the disciples, and he says this, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. This way, all the world will know that you are my disciples. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 says, the Apostle Paul, by, empowered by the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says this, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Give to others from what God has given you. Who are you to withhold from, God, from people what God has so freely given to you? This is a grace-based family. Let's forgive one another. Let's show grace to one another. Come on, let's speak life over one another. Let's, let's forgive. Let's forget. Let's love one another. This is how we build a grace-based family. The second decision that you must make if you want your family to serve the Lord is to teach your family to worship God. Teach your family to worship God. I love verse 14 in our text today. It says, after he recounts all of God's many blessings bestowed upon them by grace, then he says this, now therefore, in light of all of that, fear the Lord. We don't really have a right conception of what it means to fear the Lord. God is not saying for us to fear Him, to be terrified of Him, but fear in the Hebrew language means this, to, to fear the Lord in the sense that it causes you to serve Him out of respect, out of loyalty, out of a desire to please God in everything and understand that there are consequences for not doing so. Fear the Lord. There's a healthy fear of the Lord that maybe that we have lost as a society. We talk about how God is a God of love, and He is. He's a loving Father, but He's also a loving Father. Because He loves us, He will discipline us. So fear the Lord. Recognize that he loves you enough to correct you because if you continue going the same direction that you're going, it's going to lead to your disaster. Fear the Lord. Respect him. Be loyal to him. Desire to please him. Teach your family to worship, to fear, to worship the Lord. The problem is, though, you cannot give what you do not have. You only reproduce what you are, not what you say. So in other words, you've got to model this by example. You've got to exemplify what it means to fear the Lord, to worship the Lord, to serve the Lord. And God meant spiritual leadership to be a shared burden that we have in our families. Spiritual leadership from the Father. Spiritual leadership from the mother. Spiritual leadership from the grandmother and the grandfather. Spiritual leadership from cousins and nephews. Spiritual leadership even from children 
to family members who do not know the Lord, this truth of teaching my family to worship God applies to anyone in any situation, no matter how old or how young you are. You can set an example of what it means to fear the Lord and to worship the Lord and to teach your family to worship the Lord. Recently, I saw a famous painting uh, by a man named Norman Rockwell. This is old school, y'all. Some of y'all don't even know who Norman Rockwell is. It appeared on the cover of the Saturday Evening Post in 1959, and it's behind me. And in this picture, you see a daughter. You see the mother carrying Bibles. You see the youngest daughter carrying a Bible. And then you finally see the youngest son. The youngest son is looking out of the corner of his eye with some type of reluctance to go, because they're going to church. The name of the painting is Off to Church. Looking with some reluctance. Why? Because he's looking at his father. His father is in his pajamas, reading the newspaper, smoking a cigarette. At the center of this painting is his father. As the son walks by, Instead of wanting to go to church, he's looking longingly at his dad. When will we learn that our actions speak louder than our words? You see, he's supposed to be going to church, but he'd rather be with his dad. We don't bring our family to church to teach them to worship. We bring them to church to practice their worship. This is what is modeled in the home. This is our spiritual responsibility as parents. You see, because our children will follow our example. If we sing worship songs, our children will learn them. If we pray, our children will pray. If we reach out in love and witness and compassion to others, our children will do the same and follow our example. God has given us the responsibility of training our children, and it's not an option, it's a command. And the most important thing that we'll teach our family is about how to know God, to love God, and to worship Him. Make a decision to teach your family to worship God. The third decision that we have to make if we want to see our family serve the Lord is that we need to become a student of obedience. Become a student of of obedience. Verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord, listen to this, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of Egypt. Serve the Lord. The word serve is used in various forms six times in two verses. This is the heart cry of Joshua. Serve the Lord. In order to serve the Lord is to obey the Lord. He wants the people to willingly choose to serve the Lord. And he adds in this text, serve him, how? In sincerity and in truth. Hmm. A family that serves the Lord is not one that's focused on looking right, but on being right. The word sincere comes from a Greek word, which is sincere, which means without wax. You see, a potter would form the clay And he would form this piece of pottery, and he would hold it up to a light. And when he held it up to that light, if it had cracks in it, and it needed wax, it had defects, 
then it was not qualified um, to be considered um, a, a good piece of pottery. But when that, that piece of pottery would come up to the light, it was out crack, without cracks or defects, without any flaws, that pottery was perfect. They would stamp on that pottery the words, Sin Sarah, which we derive the word sincere, which means that it was without imperfections. What it was presented as, it actually is. It means it, it was without defects, it was without hypocrisy. We cannot allow, we cannot just say, do as I say, but not as I do. We have to be a student of obedience in order for our family to serve the Lord. I read this story recently about uh, the Queen Mary. It was a boat that was built in Great Britain, and it was a passenger boat. Uh, in 1931, it had its initial launch and set out to sea, and it traversed the Atlantic Ocean until 1967, upon which time they brought it out to the West Coast, to Long Beach, and the city of Long Beach had actually purchased the boat in order to make it a museum and they put a restaurant there inside of the boat. And they wanted to refurbish the boat, so they had these huge three smokestacks on the top of the boat, and they brought it into port, and they wanted to clean it up and rehabilitate it, and uh, so they took the smokestacks that were three-quarter inch steel, and they brought them down onto the docks, and when they brought those smokestacks down to the docks, they were going to sand them and paint them, refurbish them. When they br brought those smokestacks down to the docks, those smokestacks crumbled in pieces. Those smokestacks no longer uh, had, they had very little steel left on them, but they were painted over. They found 30 coats of paint in that rubble. You see, they had just painted over the rust. They continued to paint over. They continued to cover over. And see, the reality is how many of us do that today? We're here today, and we're painting over rust. We're like, hey, everything's good in my life. My family's good. I'm good. And you know it's not true because you're not serving the Lord in sincerity and truth. You're not dealing with the things in your life. You're just painting them over. You and I need to get honest before God. We need to be honest with each other. And if there's problems in our marriage, problems in our family, problems with our children, if we're ready to crash and burn, we need to come clean and be honest with one another. We need to make things right with the Lord and we need to make things right with one another if we want to see our family serve the Lord and enter into heaven with us. So today, make a decision become a, to become a student of obedience. The fourth decision we must make is we must remove all compromise. Verse 15, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods for which your fathers served, which are on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. The gods beyond the river refers to Ur the Chaldees. It was the god of ancient tradition, the sun god, the moon god, the stars god. It was the god of tradition, the gods of Egypt, the sun, the rain, the darkness, and natural disasters. Then the gods of the Amorites were the gods of the current culture. These would be the gods of fertility, sexual pleasure, sexual immorality. Does it sound familiar? 
Joshua is saying, choose today if you're going to serve religion. Choose today if you're going to bow to the culture and serve the culture's God. But I want you to choose the Lord today. Decide who you are going to serve. You're going to have to remove any compromise whatsoever. Too often, rather than making a decision to remove all compromise, we typically make one of two decisions. Number one, we isolate from the culture we assimilate into the culture. God wants us to choose the third option, which is to engage the culture. Remove any compromise in your life if you want your family to serve the Lord. And finally, the fifth decision, as you can come up here, Lane, we're going to close. The fifth decision we must make is we must choose daily to serve the Lord. Choose daily to serve the Lord. What does Joshua want his nation to know as he's led them over the last 30 years, as he's loved them, as he's encouraged them, as he's challenged them? What is on his heart? Serve the Lord. Put him first. Continue to follow the Lord with all of your heart. Lead yourself, lead your family in doing so. Choose this day whom you will serve. He's presenting to them an option. He's giving to them an invitation. He's making a public statement in our text today. He says this, but, this is what I love, but as he said, choose, choose which God you're going to serve. But as for me, he's making it public. He's saying, I'm going to let you all know that today I'm making a decision. I'm not serving the other gods. I'm not serving the household gods. I'm not serving the ungodly gods of the culture. But I'm making a decision today. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm making it public. I'm, I'm going to let everybody know. If nobody else serves the Lord, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. It's a public statement. And so you've got to come out. And you've got to let people know where you stand. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Make a decision today whom you're going to serve. It's a daily choice. It's a public statement, but it's also a personal decision. But as for me in my house, it's a personal decision. He's not saying, you know, you could choose your way. My house is going to choose their way, but no, he says, as for me, he makes it personal. Anyone Jesus came and invited to follow him in the New Testament to be his disciple, he approached them personally and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, come and be my disciple. It's a personal decision. It's a public statement. It's a persuasive declaration. This is so powerful. He's saying, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. He says that. But he also says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, in this individualistic world, this society, this Western culture in which we live, we're very individualistic. Sports center highlights, 
you know, I'll go my way, I'll do what I want. This was a very Middle Eastern mentality, and even in some places today in Africa and the Middle East, when one person, especially the head of the house, would come to make a decision to follow a God or follow or to make a decision. He would make that decision, that person would make that decision, but he would bring along the entire family because he knew that he was responsible. She would know that she was responsible as the head sometimes of the home in our society today. So it was a persuasive declaration. It was saying, as for me and my house, we all going to serve the Lord. Every one of us, get your clothes on, wake up, get to church. If you live in this house, we're going to church today. Come on. We're going to serve the Lord together. This is not an individualistic pursuit. As for me and my house, it was was a persuasive declaration. We're going to serve the Lord. And finally, it was a positive statement. We will serve the Lord. To serve the Lord means to fear the Lord. It means to worship the Lord. It means to prioritize him in every decision that we make. That means every decision that we make, we ask God, God, would this please you? Not, Lord, is it what I want? Not, God, is what I would have? Not, is it something that I desire? Not, is it the direction that I want to go? It's placing the Lord in front of you with every single decision and saying, God, I'm choosing today to serve you. The decision to serve the Lord, it's not a decision that can be delegated. It's a personal decision. So today, I want you to make a decision. Just as true as it was thousands of years ago when Joshua presented this challenge, gave this invitation to the people of God, God is speaking to us and to our families individually. He's asking you, he's saying, choose who you're going to serve. Yeah, you've been in a place where maybe you've compromised. Maybe you're not serving the Lord wholeheartedly as you ought to. Maybe you're half-hearted. Maybe even you can't even wait to get out of this moment right now because you feel so uneasy about where you are in your relationship with God. That's God's goodness. That's God reminding you of how incredible and how faithful and how gracious he's been to you, how merciful he's been to you. The reality is that you didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. You're not special. But he's still, even after all these years, even after compromise, even after maybe you've put him on the back burner, you put him in the back seat. Your life is not where it needs to be with God today. It's his goodness that's leading you to repent. That feeling that you have as you're watching online and in this room today is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit bringing conviction to your heart because he's saying to you, I've got something better. I've got something greater. I've got something more that I'm wanting to do in your life. And so today, the invitation stands for you. 
who you're going to serve, who you're going to choose. Because your family matters, it matters that your family serves the Lord. If you want your family to serve the Lord, you're going to have to decide to build a grace-based family. If you want your family to serve the Lord, you're going to have to teach your family to worship God. If you want your family to serve the Lord, you're going to have to become a student of obedience. If you want your family to serve the Lord, you're going to have to remove all compromise. And if you want your family to serve the Lord, you're going to have to choose daily to serve the Lord. Stand up on your feet all across this room as we close. We're going to send you out in worship in just a moment, but I believe that maybe there's someone in this place today, you're not right with Jesus, and you've got an overwhelming sense of the reality that you're not where you need to be with God. Your sin, your compromise, your complacency, your apathy has brought you to a place where you can see the goodness of God over your life, but you've been choosing to serve someone else. And oftentimes that someone else is us. So in this moment, the words of scripture ring true. The invitation of Jesus is for each individual here today and watching online. It's a decision to follow him. It's a decision to choose today whom you will serve. I pray that in this moment that you will have the courage to make the decision, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how you've fallen short, that you would receive this gracious invitation from God today to be right with him, to recommit to him, to have your sins forgiven, to make a decision today that I will serve the Lord and my household. I will make a decision today, Lord, to serve you. So Father, today, thank you, Lord, for each individual that you know that you're that you are aware of everything that has transpired. You're every, aware of everything that's gone on. You're aware of the guilt, the shame, the brokenness. You're aware of the compromise, Lord. You're aware of the complacency, Lord. You're aware of where we are in this moment as we stand before you. And Lord, we can no longer escape the reality of where we are and our neglect in our own relationship with you and choosing you and how we're leading our family. Lord, each one of us can do better. So forgive us, Lord, of our sins. Come into our heart. Lord, we repent. Lord, we turn from the way that we're going, Lord. And we bring our life to you today. We bring our sins. We bring our guilt. We bring our shame. We ask, Lord, that you would forgive us of all of our sins. That you would cleanse us. That, Jesus, you would come into our hearts that you would come and make our heart your home. That you would fill our life with all that you are. Lord, this day we make you our savior. We recommit to you as our savior. And we ask, Lord, for you to be the leader of our life. 
I pray that all of us would be able to declare as Joshua did, as for me and my house. Why don't you say that after me? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Say it again. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.